Well, good morning. I also want to encourage you guys if, um, with about the baptism gathering coming up in a couple of weeks and then the parent-child dedication, if that's something, either one of those that um, you're considering, please talk to your living community pastor, talk to someone that's maybe wearing one of the lanyards this morning. Um, and is Kristen or... Um, are they here this morning? No, okay. They just got back from Ecuador, so I thought maybe if they were here, I'd ask them to share a couple of things about their trip. But um, join me as we pray this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Um, I pray, God, that you would just speak to each and every person that's here. Um, my heart, Father, is that um, by the time we're done, by the time the teaching is over, that um, I can truly say that it was your Holy Spirit that spoke through me. Um, and that your spirit, your words, Holy Spirit, were, were on my tongue this morning. Pierce our hearts, encourage our hearts, convict us. Um, and Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Beatles. Elvis Presley. The digital camera. The internet. The Apple Watch, supposedly. The Wright Brothers, Jackie Robinson, Martin Luther King Jr., the first man on the moon, 9-11, and we could list a host of others. What do all of those have in common? Every single one of those is a game changer, a game changer. Now, a game changer is defined as this. It's an event, an idea a procedure, and I would even include a person, that affects a significant shift in the current manner of doing or thinking about something. I want to show you another example of a game changer, and this comes from the world of sports. So let's see if we can watch this together. Game, ch game changer, right? Literally a game changer. Someone said, how can we, they, they saw me preview this this morning, like, can we impeach the guy? Can we, like, the pastor, how do we get rid of this? I told a guy this, um, I told him I'm going to show something Sunday morning. He's a diehard UK fan. I said, promise me you won't hate me by the time we're done. But literally a game changer, right? Changed the game, right? Literally changed the game. When you think of your life, what are some game changers as you look back over your life and you look at your life now, what have been some game changers, some things that have taken place in your life that have truly affected how you think about things, how you make choices, things that you do? And as you think about that, I, I want you to imagine a, a game changer that frees you from being defined by your past. A game changer that frees you from being defined by what people said about you. could be parents when you were growing up. Maybe what people thought of you going through high school or even the days of college um, frees you from some of the choices that you've made in your past that kind of haunt you to this day. Some of those choices maybe that you made even last night that haunt you this morning. I want you to imagine a game changer that absolutely frees you from that. And this game changer, imagine, also changes how you see yourself now, changes what you think about life now, how you view life now, and even transforms your future. Is there such a game changer? Absolutely. And this game changer is called the gospel. And we want to continue to study the gospel found in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The gospel really is 
shared from Genesis to Revelation, but Paul, the Apostle Paul, in a letter he wrote to a group of Christians, first century Christians living in the city of Corinth, kind of did this treatise on the gospel. And join me there, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you have a Bible app on your phone, find it there. It's near the back of your Bibles. Um, There are some Bibles spread out, so feel free to grab one of those, and I would encourage you to follow along this morning. But when we think about the gospel, I want you to remember this. This is the big truth, the big idea, if you will. The gospel is life's game changer. It transforms who you are by way of God's amazing grace. The gospel is life's game changer. It transforms who you are by way of God's amazing grace. Now, I'm going to do a little bit of a review from what we looked at last Sunday morning, and then specifically this morning, we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 11, but I'll begin in verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes this to a group of Christians struggling with sin, much like most of us, if not all of us in the room this morning, and he says this, now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that He appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Then we're going to look specifically at these next three verses, and he writes, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I I worked harder than all of them, yet... Not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. Now, as we looked at last Sunday morning, Paul takes a time out, if you will, in his letter, nearing the end of his letter, and he says, I need to remind you of something, church. And the observations that we discovered from the first eight verses of chapter 15 are, are these, that the gospel is also for Christians, The most important message for you before you become a Christian is the gospel, and the most important message uh, for you when you are a Christian is still the gospel. He's reminding Christians, you still need to remind yourselves of this gospel. And then he talks about how the gospel does the supernatural for the Christian. You can stand on it. It can handle the weight of your your guilt and the sin. It can handle that. It, It frees you from that. And you also, the gospel also is continually saving you. Not only does the gospel make that initial transaction of making you righteous before God, but the gospel is continually saving you. When you sin now as a Christian, the gospel is continually saving you, continually forgiving you. That's what the gospel does. It does the supernatural. We also observe that it's the most important message for the Christians. He says that in verse 3, I brought you this message as it was of first importance The first message Paul taught the Corinthians was the gospel, and the message he continued to teach the Corinthians was the gospel. And then the final observation that we looked at um, last Sunday was what is the gospel? The gospel is all about Jesus. It's all about Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection. Then Paul gives this list of appearances. So if you ever wondered if Jesus actually came back alive, 
he says he, he, he appeared to nearly 600 people. Some of them were still living when Paul write, writes this. And he goes, if you want to really know, ask them. They were eyewitnesses of the risen Jesus. And then what's interesting here, Paul takes this turn. He, he makes this turn in his letter, and he gets incredibly personal. He gets incredibly personal about the gospel. And, and what that reveals to us is that the gospel is personal. This truth, this, this person, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins and came back to life and is alive today, even as we sit here, that message and that person is very personal. And from these three verses, we can make a couple more observations at how the gospel is life's game changer. And the first observation I want us to look at is that the gospel comes by way of God's grace. It comes by way of God's grace. I don't know how you came this morning to the Radisson, and you can enjoy the new lovely carpet, but you, can, you, you got here somehow, right? You got here by car, most of us. Well, there's only one way that the gospel comes to us, and it comes by way of God's grace. Paul references that three times in verse 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And it was his grace to me, showing that this grace is incredibly personal. His grace to me was not without effect. And then near the end he says, I worked harder and harder, but it wasn't I, it was the grace of God that was with me. So it was this grace of God that came to me, and it was this grace of God with me. And the gospel comes to us by way of God's amazing grace. Well, what is grace? There's lots of different definitions of grace that you'll find as far as definitions of God's grace. Here's just a couple. One is God's undeserving favor. It's God giving sinners what they don't deserve. deserve, deserve. A.W. Tozer's favorite authors described God's grace this way. He says, grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits on the undeserving. Now, some of you are familiar with the story of King David and Saul's son, Mephibosheth. That is an incredible story of grace. Because what King David does is he pardons his enemy's family. He pardons him. But he doesn't just stop there. What does he do? He invites the enemy, the son of the enemy, to come into the palace, eat at his table. And in fact, what David does is he doesn't just invite him and adopt him into his family. He says, I'm going to give you the land back that was your father's. That's grace. Grace is not just pardoning us from our sin. Grace is not just saying, I forgive you of all the sins that you've committed to, uh, against me, God says, but I'm going to go the next step. I'm going to not only say you're forgiven, I'm going to adopt you and allow you to be part of my family, and I, you're going to be a recipient of all that is mine, all the riches of Christ. That's grace. That's the gospel. That's what the gospel does, and it comes by way of God's grace, and Paul's trying to make that connection between the gospel and the grace of God. Because he says in verse 11, this is what we preach. This is what you believe. Well, what's the this? It's the gospel and it's God's grace. They're intertwined. You can't separate the two. Paul described it this way in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of what? Of God's grace. Ephesians 2, 8, Paul said this, for by grace are you saved. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave. It's God did it. Why did he give his son? Because of grace. Because he loves us. 
Paul knows that Jesus coming to him and rescuing him from his sins, the only way that could happen was because of God's grace toward him. And if you are here this morning and you are a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you sit here this morning because of God's grace upon your life. Some of you have had the privilege of growing up in Christian homes, and so you had parents that have told you about Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. Why did you get put in that home? Simply because of God's grace toward you. Others of you, you came to know Christ later in life, and so He brought people into your path where you intersected, and they began to model and show you what God's love looks like. Why did that happen? Because of God's grace toward you, because He loves you. The gospel had comes to us by way of God's grace. And so when you think about that moment when you surrendered to Jesus Christ, the moment that you received and believed the gospel, that took place purely because of God's grace toward you. We don't deserve it. We did nothing to earn it. But we receive the gospel because of God's grace. The gospel's life's game changer It comes by way of God's amazing grace, and it transforms who you are. Well, how does it transform? And this is where we want to get more specific. The gospel changes who you are. Look at what Paul says in verse 9. He says, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. Now, you need to understand a little bit of Paul's story to really understand why he's saying that, why he feels that he's the least of the apostles and that he doesn't deserve to be a recipient of the gospel and God's grace. Paul was a relentless persecutor of Christians. Acts chapter 26, verses 9 through 11, and we should see that on the screen, but Paul was a relentless um, persecutor of Christians. I mean, he, he, he killed Christians. He approved of their death. Acts chapter 7, Stephen, the first martyr of the church, Paul's there holding the cloaks of those who are stoning Stephen, and Paul's the one that gave them approval to kill Stephen. Paul would even get on ships and he would go to foreign cities or he'd ride and go to foreign cities simply to kill Christians, simply to persecute them, to punish them. Can you imagine the guilt that he would feel as he put his head on the pillow at night? Can you imagine what... The, the, the memories and the images that he had to go through and the struggle that he would have had to face mentally and emotionally as a Christian. But what's amazing is look what he says. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called, called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He doesn't stay there. you got to keep reading. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now that word but is a big one, all right? It's a, it's a big contrasting word. And he says this. He says, this is what I used to do. This is my past. It was horrible. I can't believe what I did, but I'm not that guy anymore. I don't do that anymore. I'm different now. I'm not defined by my past and what I did. And see, that's what the gospel does. The gospel frees you from being defined by your past, It frees you from the choices that you've made in your past that are incredibly weighing upon you still. The gospel sets you free from that. The chains are gone. What happened to Paul? What happened to Paul was God's grace is what happened to Paul. Jesus showed up and rescued Paul from his past. 
He never forgot his past, but he didn't stay in his past because that's not who he was anymore. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul went from persecutor, punisher of Christians, to proclaimer of Christ and missionary among the Christians. Amazing. So if you think the grace of God, how powerful is the grace of God? Can the gospel rescue me? Absolutely. The gospel can rescue you from your past. I mean, if, if your past is like this chain, right? Some of, some of us have, you know, things in our past where these links, right? What your parents said about you when you were growing up, what people said about you in high school, the things you did in high school, that'd be some of my stuff, the things that I'm not proud of, the things in college, right, that, that, we, that we did in college that we look back on and we're like, I can't believe, and they're weighing us, the guilt, the weight, the things maybe we did last night, in the privacy of our own rooms, the things that nobody knows about or so we think. And, and Paul had this incredible chain that was wrapped around him, and he says, I don't deserve to be a follower of Christ. I don't deserve this. But that's not who I am anymore. But by the grace of God, by Jesus, by the gospel rescuing me, the chains are still there. I still see them, and I'm reminded of them. But ultimately, what they remind me of is the grace of God and what He's rescued me from. See, the chains of His past always led Paul to see the gratitude of God's grace in his life. He didn't stay there, and some of you are still stuck here. You've been set free from this, and you're still stuck. You still think you're bound, and the reality is Jesus is saying, you're not bound anymore. I've set you free from that. That's at the cross. You're forgiven. You're clean. You're, you're free. And that's what the gospel does. The gospel frees us from being defined by our past. And so, Christian, if you think you're wrapped around your past, you're not. Stop letting your past define who you are in your present. God's grace and the gospel, you are forgiven. He has set you free and you live in that freedom. All because of God. All because of His grace in your life. And it's okay. I've come to think, you know, sometimes as I grow closer to Christ, I I start thinking about my sin more. And sometimes I feel like, man, I... As I grow closer to Christ, I shouldn't be thinking about my sin more, right? And I got thinking about that. I'm like, wait a second. If I'm walking closer to Christ, Christ is holy. What's going to be revealed more and more about me? My sin is going to be more upfront in my heart because I'm walking closer to Christ. And as I get closer to Christ, I'm more aware of how I'm not like Christ. And so I need to confess as a Christian, repent of my sin, and I look at my chains, I'm like, but Jesus is going, I freed you from that. Don't stay there. Be grateful for the grace. Be grateful for the forgiveness. Be grateful that I've made you clean. Be grateful for the grace and the gospel of setting you free. You are forgiven. You're forgiven, and if you're here and you're not a Christian, you, you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, or you're, you're just, there's something gnawing at you, you, you ha- just haven't surrendered yet, and because you're, you're wrapped around there, the gospel frees you. Just believe it. Believe Jesus. He will set you free. He will set you free from this. If you were here Easter Sunday, Tom Sims shared the story of how he grew up in a home where his dad just kind of made him feel like nothing, made him feel worthless. And it wasn't until somebody shared with him the gospel that he realized that he has a heavenly father who put his son on the cross so that Tom could be freed from what his father thinks. And he could become known as the heavenly father knows him. And it was in that moment that Tom Sims surrendered his life to Jesus and his life has been forever transformed. Why? Because of the gospel. My chains are gone. We've been set free. Stop living as bound around the chains because that's not you anymore, Christian. 
You're free from that. You're not defined by what your parents say about you or said about you or what you think about you or what your friends say about you. You're not defined by those things of your past, the, the guilt and the things that you did that you're not proud of. That's the, the gospel sets you free from that and forgives you. So the gospel frees us from being defined by our past, but look what else it does. It also furnishes us with a new identity. He says, I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of of God. I am what I am. I'm new. I'm not that guy anymore. I'm different. I have a new identity. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 says this. Paul writes, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation and he would know. The old has gone. The new has come. And then the next phrase, which we often forget, is this. All this is from God. All this is from God. If you want to know who you are in Christ, read the, the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Read Romans 5. Read Romans 8. Read the book of Galatians. Paul can stand there and he can, or he can sit there and he can write this and he can say, the gospel has set me free from my past. My chains are gone because of God's grace. I am what I am today. And what that means is that when I look in the mirror of the gospel, I don't see me. There's somebody looking at, back at me and you know who it is? His name is Jesus. And so when you wake up in the morning and you go look in the mirror, you can look at your, you look in the mirror and what's looking back at you is not a what, but it's a who and his name is Jesus. Because that's how God sees you for those who are in Christ. He sees you holy. He sees you blameless. He sees you forgiven. He sees you as a member of his own family. He sees you as a recipient of his own Holy Spirit. He sees you as he sees his son. And he's given you all the riches that are available in Christ Jesus. Do we get that? Do I get that? And we just sing, thank you God for saving me. Really? When's the last time you were driven to be grateful for the gospel and the grace of God in your life because you look at the chains that he set you from, set you free from, and how he's pardoned you and forgiven you and not just pardoned you, but given you all that is his. That sh we should just shout with joy because of what Christ has done for us and who he has made us to be. We should just shout hallelujah. Praise the lamb. The lamb who was slain and set us free from our sins. Because when you look in the mirror, who you see is Jesus Christ looking back at you because that's how the Heavenly Father sees you for those who are in Christ Jesus. Forgiven, free, a member of His family. You belong. You're accepted. You're clean. You're made new. You're not bound by the chains anymore. What binds you is the loving arms of your Savior, Jesus Christ, because of the gospel. Because of the gospel. But I will say this. If you are no different if you say you're a Christian and you are no different after become a Christ, becoming a Christian than you were before becoming a Christian, then I have to question if you really are one, if you really truly have received Christ in the first place. Because the gospel transforms you. It changes who you are. It absolutely changes you. Changes how you see yourself. Changes how you see your work. Changes see how you see your neighbors. Changes how you see your parenting. Changes everything. As we looked at last week, Paul, as he drove through life, he looked at everything through the windshield of the gospel. And see, when you realize who you are in Christ, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks of me. It doesn't matter if I go and invite my neighbors to live in community. Who cares what they think? It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, a, son of, I'm a son of the Father. I'm, I'm free. I'm forgiven. I'm clean at work. 
At work, too, when you go to work, you see everything differently. You don't just see it as work. You don't just see the people as co-workers. You see them as people desperate to be free from the chains that are binding them. And what the gospel does, it, def- it frees us from being defined by our past. It furnishes us with a new identity. And every time you look in the mirror, I hope from now going forward, when you look in the mirror, whenever you look in the mirror, you will be reminded that the person looking back at you is not you. His name is Jesus. Because that's how the Father sees you. That's how he sees me. But what else does the gospel do? The gospel not only frees us from being defined by our past, furnishes us with a new identity, but as we see here, the gospel calls us to and fuels us for Christ's mission. Look what he says in verse 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, not, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. It's interesting because he says was, was not without effect, meaning that the gospel, the grace of God that he had received, it, it had a result in his life. It did something to him. It caused him, it moved him, it motivated him to share the gospel, to tell other people. And literally, when he says, I worked harder and harder, he talked, that literally could be toil, backbreaking, intense. Listen, the gospel and grace does not make us idle. It does not give us reason or excuse to sit around and not tell people about Jesus. The gospel motivates us and fuels us to share the gospel. That's what he's saying. No, the, because I know how Jesus has changed me and how different I am and all that he's given me and how he's forgiven me, that's my motivation. The greatest motivation for sharing the gospel is the gospel. And you and I are waiting for the next conference. We're waiting for the next experience. We're waiting for the next book to try to motivate us to get out there and tell people about Jesus. And Jesus is going, am I not enough? What more do you need to get out there and tell people about Jesus? Jones? You're so worried about what people are going to think about you, inviting them to this. What's going on in your head? Am I not enough? The greatest motivation for sharing the gospel with someone is the gospel. And I'm preaching this to me. And I want you to see the power of this. Keep your finger in 1 Corinthians if you can, or your thumb, or however you do that on the app. I don't know. But we're going to go to 2 Corinthians. All right, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 because I think this is so incredibly powerful. You want to see the power of the gospel and what it can do, how it fuels us and gives us the strength for a mission. I want you to read Paul's resume with me, his resume for a mission. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll pick it up in verse 23. He says, are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. But he's defending himself because people were saying he wasn't an apostle. And he says, I am more. I have worked much harder. Same phrase that we just read in 1 Corinthians 15. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Verse 26. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. Verse 27, I have labored and toiled and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. 
And then if you go to chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, and many of us know this, have quoted it when we go through difficult times, here is Paul's motivation. Here is what drives him and what gets him through. Here's his fuel for the mission. He says, my grace, this is Jesus speaking to Paul. He says, it's my grace that is enough for you. My grace, all that I've given you in Christ, the fact that you're clean, the fact that you're forgiven, the fact that you have the power of my spirit within you, the fact that one day you're going to see me again and all that is mine is yours, all that, that grace that you've received, that's enough motivation to endure suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. And therefore, he says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? Because it's in times of weakness that we see God's power. Some of us are just waiting for the power of God to show up in our lives. And we're going, he's going, listen, just tell somebody about Jesus and you'll see the power of God show up in your life. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it. The gospel is the power of God for all who believe. And the first person some of us need to start telling the gospel to is ourselves. We need to tell ourselves the gospel. Because we get up and we think, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not this, I got this, I got this from my past and all this stuff. And you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, and you look in the mirror and you go, that's not who you are anymore. Jesus is looking back at you. And you start thinking and dwelling upon the grace that you've received in Jesus Christ, that'll get you up and moving. And if it's not getting you up and moving, then you need to sit there more and saturate yourself more into the gospel and who he is and what he's done for you. And I need to do the same. Listen, as, as I thought about this, I don't know if you've ever had Holtman's Donuts. Have you guys ever had a Holtman's? I went there this morning. My all-time favorite donut is the maple bacon. I, I, Michael tried it for the first one. What do you think? Phenomenal. Amazing, right? If you've never had the maple bacon donut, um, shame on you first, but, but you need to, okay? It's excellent. Listen, the greatest motivation for visiting and eating a Holtman's Donut is eating a Holtman's Donut. It's the greatest motivation. All right, once you've had one, you're like, yeah, I need to go to that place. All right, it, it took guys taking me to the Holtman's Donut shop downtown to go, wow, they were right. The greatest motivation for eating a Holtman's Donut is, uh, is a Holtman's Donut. The greatest motivation for you and me as the church to share the gospel is the gospel. And if we're waiting for something else to get us up and moving and telling people about Jesus, then we don't really understand the gospel and what it's done for us. Listen, your chains, if you're here in a follower of Christ, your chains are gone. And when you th- you're reminded of your past, let those memories always lead you to the grace that is present because of God and His Holy Spirit and the cross and the empty tomb. Always Always, as you remember the chains from your past, know that you're not bound by those chains, and may they always lead you to God's grace and His forgiveness that you have now. It frees you. The gospel frees you from being defined by your past. It furnishes you with a new identity. You look in the mirror, and it's Jesus looking back at you, and the gospel fuels us for Christ's mission. We just need to get into it more. We just need to memorize it more. We just need to be grateful more for who Jesus is and what He's done for us. So let me ask you, how is the gospel changing you? I... I think most, we know how it has changed us, in the sense of I know it's set me free, I know it's forgiven me, I know I stand before God justified, righteous, but how is it changing you now? How is it changing you now and affecting how, how you live your life, how you live day to day? How's the gospel affecting you? Listen, the gospel is life's game changer. 
it's, it's, a, it's life's game changer. It transforms who we are by way of God's amazing grace. What's Jesus saying to you this morning? I'm going to go ahead and ask the band to come. They can go ahead and come up and start playing. But I want you to ask yourself the question, Jesus, what are you saying to me this morning? What are you saying to me? What's my relationship with the gospel, with Jesus Christ this morning? And then what do you need to do in response to what Jesus is saying to you this morning as it relates to the gospel? For some of us, we need to just say, thank you, God, for saving me because you have rescued me from that. Others of us need to be more um, determined to, to look at ourselves in the sense of who Christ has made us to be. Because it's all from Him. We need to be more grateful for His grace on a daily basis. And others of us, we need to continue to, to marinate our, our hearts and our minds in the gospel because that's what will move us out to share the gospel with others. Just have spiritual conversations with people. So when you go to work, you need to see those people at work or, as people who are trying to find their identity in what they're doing. And they're lost and they're lonely and they need Christ they need to be set free. They're bound in chains. And so you go there and you see your work as your mission field to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that's hurting. What's Jesus saying to you this morning? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And Lord, for those of us here this morning that we've been rescued from our sins because of your grace, because of your gospel, God, let us sing hallelujah. Let us see, um, sing amazing grace. May that be our theme song every moment of every day. And Father, there might be some here this morning who they need to just surrender and believe the gospel. They need to just trust in you. They need to just trust you. I pray that they would surrender to you this morning. We thank you for your truth. Thank you, Jesus, that you're alive and that your grace is to us. Your grace is with us and help us to live in that grace. Thank you this morning for meeting with us. And may this morning and the days ahead, may we continue to keep our eyes and fix our eyes on you, Jesus. You are the gospel. You are the one who's freed us from being defined for our, from our past. You've given us your identity, and you fuel us for the day-to-day -day mission that you've called us to. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.